0: Welcome back to the sixth episode of Why Dawson. I'm Saba. and I'm Paige, and today we're talking to Juno McPhee. So, our first
1: question for you, Juno, is Why Dawson?
2: I um, actually I got your list of questions a, um, a few days ago, yeah. and uh, that question gets asked twice, correct? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's that's good. I mean, I really appreciated that because, um, like, the more I thought about it, the uh, like, the more complex the answer got, um, and... That's
0: the hope.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it gets a bit, you know, uh, spooky, too, at times, if you ask it too much, but, um, I guess, like, for my first answer for the question, I'd say, like, it's less of a question and more of, um, like, I I can't avoid Dawson, Mm. it's like this, um, it's like this place that I've, I've really actually tried to escape from, um, but, uh, I can't seem to actually do it. And so it's this place that, um, I'm constantly coming back to, or, um, maybe it's just this kind of like fly trap that, mm. um, and I, I mean, I like being here, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's not that kind of thing. It actually, um, I used to think of Dawson as, um, there's this, um, Germanic, um, folktale about, um, takes place in like the 12th century, about this knight named Tannhäuser, who, um, he, um, I guess he's going for a walk in, in the woods or to get to the nearest town, um, to see some friends, and uh, along the way he, um, takes a sort of less, um, trodden path and he winds up walking underneath this mountain um, and while well, he's underneath the mountain he runs he he's basically entered um, the sort sort of kingdom of fairies um, and uh, he winds up uh, falling in love with the um, she's just referred to as Venus in the uh, in the story um, and uh, so the two begin a relationship and he's there for a very long time. Um, But after a while, he begins to miss the outside world um, and sort of wants to know what became of everyone else. So um, he tells Venus he's going to leave. And Venus says, well, okay, if you do go, um, you're, first of all, you're breaking my heart. Secondly, (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, if you come back again, you can't go. Like this is this is it. You um you leave and you don't come back, or you come back and you stay. So Tan Horse says, Okay, deal. And he leaves. Um and so when he gets back to I guess the real world, he finds that um a lot of time has passed, but he goes and visits his friends in uh the neighboring community that is probably a few years late to the party, but um <laughs> And initially, he's like really happy catching up with everyone else, um, and sort of catching up with people's lives. And I guess he, but there is this like slow creeping disenchantment. I mean, it seems that like everybody has just kind of moved on their um, their problems, or um, you know, the situations that were affecting their lives have they've kind of just um, moved from one stage of their life to the next without, um, this, any real sort of profound, um, passage of human character, I guess you could say. Um, and then he, he gets like, he, he feels really displaced. Like he doesn't belong in, um, this world anymore. And of course it being this like 12th century or, uh, 11th century, uh, folktale, um, I, you can't avoid the influence of the Catholic Church, so um, the Hoyzer begins to worry about the state of his soul, and he journeys to Rome to, uh, I guess, ask some questions to the people in charge and um, he, he gets audience with the Pope and um, he tells the Pope the whole story about what's gone on in, in his life and spending t- this time under the mountain. Um, and he asks, you know, uh, will, what's the state of my soul like, basically, and the Pope, um, points to his staff, which is this silver crook with leaves going up the side of it, um, in silver, it's important to know that, but, um, the Pope says, like, uh, my staff would sooner bloom, um, than your soul find entry into paradise, and so Tannhäuser kind of just says, oh, fuck it, and, like, goes back (laughs) underneath the mountain, um, and, uh... Three days after Tannhuser meets the pope, um, the pope's staff actually uh, turns into flowers. So um, the pope, of course, sends people after Tannhäuser, but it's too late. He's already gone back underneath the mountains. So um, I think that story um, over most has really resonated with um, how I feel about Dawson and uh, how sort of continue to feel about this place. I know that's really, like, long-winded, but... No,
1: that was, like... It makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, coming back. So that leads us perfectly into our next question of just, what made you come out here, and what's made you stay? Because a lot of people, you know, go back and forth.
2: Yeah, um, um, I guess, like, I... Coming here in the first place, I kind of, like, um walked into coming here. It wasn't, it wasn't really like a series of, of conscious decisions until I was like booking the plane ticket. But, um, like at the time I was slowly dropping out of a, of a graduate degree and, um, I was really depressed and I had a lot of trouble sleeping. And so, um, I guess insomniac Juno was like getting to work um, trying to put her life together and like daytime Juno is just kind of going through the, the motions of, uh, of the rest of her life. So mm-hmm. I, um, at a certain point, I, I remember the thing that like really distinctly turned me on to Dawson was that like, I was face down drunk and like a poutine at this mm-hmm. show. Um, and the state or the person who was on stage, um, was this is this folk singer called Old Man Ludicai or Ludica? Um, anyway, he used to uh, he um, I guess was a longtime resident of the old tenth city. I guess that used to exist. Um, I think a couple decades ago at this point. Um, and he really loved Austin City, and so he was talking about this kind of unrequited love he had uh, for this place. And I guess like my ears perked up. Um, And then slowly insomniac me started, um, trying to, like, find, uh, labor up here. I I wound up signing up to work with tourism, uh, for a while, um, it was a tombstone park guide for a bit, but, um, those are really, uh, kind of the events that led, uh, coming to Dawson. It wasn't this. Um, Dawson was never this place on the map that, uh, I always wanted to see. It was very much like a subconscious process that, um, that brought me here. So, yeah.
0: I feel like that's how a lot of people end up here. It's just like, eh, yeah. now I'm here. <laughs> no,
2: for real. Um, <laughs> and like at one point, I, I guess I had been here for a few years. I My first winter, I, I went to Sova. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I had this impression that like the, um, that I had to, like, go back to a city to really have mm-hmm. an art career of yeah. some kind. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to leave Dawson, but I know if I just go directly to a city, I'm going to get quite depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to get off the airplane, see my first, like, Pepsi ad or something. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, feel this sinking feeling. So, um, oh, God. I, I got to, so I'll go visit, um, my friend in, uh, in Mumbai first. So I, um, so I took this like six month trip, um, with my partner. Um, and we, we went to India and then, um, we wound up, uh, I guess we, we did somewhat move to Toronto for a bit for me to, um, take on some more education. But, um, at the end we, we moved back, I think, um, I was just uh, much more sort of disenchanted with city living and uh, really realized that um, the best, I guess, hopes for our our careers were actually in Dawson City and not in a place like Toronto or Montreal or or Vancouver or elsewhere. even.
0: Harkens back to episode three. Kim talks about living in Toronto for a minute. Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, truthfully, I don't remember much of it. Um, I was going to this very intense school, um, in Toronto. It's called Max the Mutt. Um, yeah, it's a ridiculous school name. Um, and it's run by some, um, people who are very strange. And, um, it was like, I had like six days of classes a week, 40 hours of classes, Ugh. and um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get to experience much of the city, um, and it, it um, I mean, I, I was really glad I went to this school, but I could only take two years a bit, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: and
2: there were just other things that I wanted to catch up with in my life, such as um, my actual art career, and also um things like transitioning as well because mm-hmm. um that was really on hold in toronto
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah there's like time to do things here yeah,
2: yeah yeah i think um more so than uh than most places for sure yeah.
1: slow moving in a good way yeah. yeah so we never asked you where are you from before here
2: um i'm sort of um i say that i'm kind of a byproduct of like ontario and british columbia um i i mean i live i've lived a lot in ontario um i grew up outside of toronto but um i have spent i have spent quite a bit of my life as well in um burnaby outside of vancouver as well as um one of the smaller islands off of vancouver island called um gabriola so um, yeah, kind of a, kind of a mix of both places. I don't think I ever really felt, um, completely comfortable in either. Um, right. and so it's, uh, yeah, I, I kind of have, um, have a composite of, uh, of a bunch of different locations. I went to uh, school initially in Ottawa, um, mm. and then I quit and came up here, so. How long
1: have
2: you been here? I've been here since um, 2013, Yeah, long time.
0: If this lives in the interwebs, it's 2021. Yeah, <laughs>
2: so um, I guess just eight years. Is that eight years?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I can't like, do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, well, um, on like choosing to be here and to, you know, like this is your place, yeah. how would you say creating here is different than from anywhere?
2: Um, so that's like, that um, has quite a few um, different levels for me. Um, on one hand, I think, and you've probably had this come up before in previous interviews, um, is that maybe Dawson kind of exists a little um, separately from the like main capitalist engine of an urban environment. So um, in a place like Vancouver, you really have to participate in a lot of mechanisms that you perhaps don't want to participate in um, just for the sake of survival. So um, that can mean any number of, um, you know, paying expenses for, um, you know, for just inhabiting in like a centralized area. Mm -hmm. um, in a city or that could be paying for like, uh, certain amenities as well. Um, and so I found like one of the things that was like really conducive to a practice was that, um, I could live, um, pretty comfortably under the poverty line, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, and actually work on the things that were important to me. Um, I knew that if I started doing, commission work or um, really started trying to participate um, in a lot of the more urban artistic scenes um, there was just no chance i would have been able to tread water or even swim would have you know my time would have probably been lost in um, just uh, just working to stay afloat and uh, not giving myself the the necessary time to actually create material that was interesting to Mm -hmm. me or even worthwhile. So um, there's that element too. But then um, I guess the, uh, you know, there's a lot of layers to the onion and it it keeps going deeper. Um, The um, I guess when living in a rural environment like this, um, it actually, really allowed me to, um, open up a lot more connective tissues, um, with the land and also seeing, um, the kind of, uh, story of Dawson City, um, you know, of course there's the, um, there's the oral history of the Toronto and then, um, the huge kind of event of the Klondike Gold Rush. Um, there is this kind of, you, you get a, real, um, sense of, um, time being kind of on the move. And so I guess, um, in, I guess you could say it kind of working here, um, allowed me to really kind of like hook into this sense of time and, and realize that, you know, um, like there's a lot that came before me and then I had to ask questions like, what happens after I'm gone? And um, what is that for? Um, not only like the work that I want to create, but uh, what does that mean particularly in this space? So um, there, I think not only was it um, is Dawson good for all of these other things, but I think it really centered a lot of very important discussions that I think um, folks in urban centers don't really get to ask. I think. Um, maybe, uh, one gets a sense of the movement of time in an urban environment by things like, um, gentrification, a changeover in, um, advertising even, or, um, technological shifts, but like in Dawson, it's very much, um, a land-based sense of time. And, uh, I think like that, that was another factor that's, uh, just really helpful, um, for, living and working, um, It also just, if at the end of the day, it just feels like the right place to be. Um, I think the Yukon is really at the forefront of a lot of um, social policy change and environmental change. I mean, it's for uh, a territory of 40,000. It has, um, I guess, the most, uh, tre- uh, like, Indigenous treaties with the Crown and the Canadian government. Um, it just recently released the most comprehensive trans healthcare plan in North America. Mm. Um, and it, uh, I think there's a lot of, um, sort of environmental, um, serious environmental protection being considered here with, um, movements like Protect the Peel. So, um, Mm. I feel much more culturally connected to what's going on. In the uh, in the Yukon, and uh, feel like I actually have a role to play within that, rather than kind of being this like brick in the Tower mm-hmm. of Babel in like <laughs> yeah. in Toronto or New York or wherever. So yeah. yeah, so those are all those elements.
1: Yeah. So our next question, we were we we're looking at your illustrations, and we've seen most of the recent things, but oh, we're no, to... oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> uh we're just wondering since you've come here has your work changed a little bit has it become more about you know the scenery of dawson
2: um not so much i mean uh there's what i work with with illustrations um Mm -hmm. but then there's like uh the stories i tell and that's um and i guess as as far as like an explanation of me and how i've worked goes is uh, i really wanted to be a comic book artist um, Mm -hmm.
1: and i wanted this
2: like a decade ago. Uh, I was very able to tell stories and um, wanted to put that into the comic medium, But I just felt I wasn't, um, my illustration skills were really not up to scratch for um, the kind of work that I wanted to be producing. So um, I would say more than anything, um, Dawson, its surroundings and its people have influenced the stories that I wanted to tell. Um, and so even like for a bit, I had, a, I shared a studio above, um, the pit with my partner and even listening to like <laughs> drunken dialogue at like one yeah. in the morning is fascinating.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: you know, yeah. It's, um, it's really awesome. And I'd say if like, if it's affected like my visual style at all, I really have this appreciation for, um, cars that are falling apart, Mm. like, um, there's this, um, there's these old, uh, you know, all the old mining detritus that's, that's hung around and it's just rusting on the, on the spot, um, has really been very refreshing to see. Um, you know, I think, and this, I think goes back to the classic kind of urban and rural divide, um, whereas in urban landscapes, there's this real desire to kind of like turn over, those like vacant parking lots that have, um, you know, butterflies and other, you know, uh, plants hopping out of the cracks and and concrete, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, Those areas are just looked at as like dead space. Um, They're really not, they're kind of fertile for um, not only maybe species of animals, like I mentioned, but also for people as well, like having empty space and having like um detritus kind of fill that space is really important i think for for the human psychology um instead of every square inch being put into a practical purpose Mm -hmm. so um that i think has been really helpful for uh for me and um my illustration practice so um really kind of fighting for that um that sense of uh, of space and um time, I guess, in my own work is, uh, yeah, is really important, like, um, moving away from, like, what does, uh, you know, what does the, the world really look like away from major urban centers or, uh, from the center of, like, uh, trade or the way people talk about the news, for example. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, this is a lot of rambling from no, my end. No, this in. is, this is good. This is okay. good. Okay. Like, this is
0: the point of it, is to hear you talk. Okay, perfect.
1: Basically, yeah. Dawson doesn't have Pepsi ads. They have rust in mining equipment. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. which sounds better?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I God. mean, like, if somebody, like, scrawled a Pepsi logo on the side of it, like, I'd, it That'd would really make me think about Pepsi. Like, you know, what was, like... Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm um, I i mean, I'm, I'm saying, like, a Pepsi ad because I think I, I showed up, like... um it kind of like we
0: get sponsored? Sorry. Oh god! Yeah. God oh, yeah, <laughs> damn
2: <laughs> Oh my god. Oh anyway, yeah, I just I just saw Pepsi Ad and White Horse and got crushed a little. So oh. yeah. I don't know, it was just something about the ad. I, I maybe it was like yeah. watching like the liquid pour over the ice or something. <laughs> I was like I knew exactly what was trying to what was being sold to That's me true. and I, I didn't want it. Um but I couldn't like Look away. Not you exactly. a car accident. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh yeah.
0: my gosh. Okay. Well, next question. Yeah. Dawson is very community driven. Like because it's so small, mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna see someone if you walk out your house or around town.
1: Oh yeah. Um
0: <laughs> and so do you find your work is influenced by that or like the good and bad and the community ness?
2: Yeah. Um I think it it's all in there for sure um like i said hearing the community members talk and um i I guess i really do enjoy listening to other people um just idly like casually eavesdropping um say on like front street in the summertime or Mm -hmm. like the ambient noise in the tavern um you learn a lot about the smaller details of people's lives and that's like pretty influential um, there's other parts of, I guess, being in a small community, um, particularly as like a trans woman, it's vi- or at least as like a visible trans woman in Dawson, there's been, um, like I'm comfortable with it, but there's definitely been some difficulties as well. Um, and so I think that has sometimes, I think, really radicalized my voice a lot more, um, in uh in certain circumstances i mean on one hand it's been um, a very positive experience of learning to stand up for myself but on another hand it has been a much more it's given me a much more harsh and unsympathetic um gaze for uh for certain folks so it's um it's really complicated i'd mm-hmm. say um but ultimately um, I think people really do choose to live in Dawson, and um, I feel very comfortable being part of the um, the fabric here. Um, and this goes back to being a trans woman in Dawson. Like, I really, I don't think I could um, exist in the same way anywhere else. So, um, yeah, the uh, the community is is quite is quite powerful. Um, but like. I guess I've always been kind of, um, kind of an outsider. Like I've really, there were times where I was trying to, um, kind of get in with the community, but, um, in various ways, like I used to work for uh, for the Klondike Sun or, um, I even had a radio show a while back, but, um, it, uh, I didn't feel like I was really putting my, um, Best foot forward with that, and I think I just needed to kind of um, take care of um, my own house, so to speak, mm-hmm. before extending myself to the community. Um, however, I, I in the future, I would really like to um, find a way to fit into community structure um, again. But uh, it's been a learning process, and again, I think it's it's much better right now if I take care of myself first.
0: Mm-hmm. You find community here too, like even if you're not actively trying to seek it out, it's a part of you. Mm-hmm. Finds you, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. Um, it's uh, it's funny. I mean, I guess you guys haven't left Dawson yet, right? Yeah, no. Okay, you'll find that when you do, um, <laughs> you're just going to keep running into ex-Dawsonites everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't stop. Like, um, I remember when I was in Toronto, even. Um, walking down Queen Street, running into three different Dawsonites, like, within the space of two hours, it was incredible, um, (laughs) or, like, uh, yeah, you're, um, and it's, it happens in really uncanny situations, like, my partner, um, checked into, like, like, a Tim Hortons in, um, nowhere Ontario, (laughs) ran into another Dawsonite there, too, so, I mean, um, the, uh, the community keeps keeps going, and I guess the, the fun part about it is that, or not the fun part, that's a weird thing to say, but, like, um, you get to know the, the other community members quite well, even if the community members do things that you don't necessarily approve of that kind of jar your ethics. Um, it's a real opportunity to see people as people and, like, um, hold a more complex image of, of someone. So it's, um, I think I, I would really, uh, attest to Dawson's community power by its ability to, um, really hold people up by all perspectives. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, appreciate that as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask you now about Kind of your process, um, so, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you you kind of started out more interested in the writing part of it. So do your co- do your illustrations.
2: No, um, it's 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 funny. <laughs> okay. um, so I um, I got very good at storytelling because right. I was a great liar when I was younger. Um, <laughs> I had like yes. <laughs> two households to bounce between, um, and some very eccentric family members to okay. that I had to keep everything stable. So, um, you know, telling people what they wanted to hear, um, became this like big muscle to flex. So, um, <laughs> I eventually people like started really remarking that I, I told very good stories and, um, I was, you know, this, this made me happy. And then I ran into, um, I sort of encountered the comic medium, uh, got really enamored by it. Yeah. um, but uh, I kind of hung out in, I really wanted to draw, and I had this, um, like, very difficult relationship with drawing. In fact, I'd say that, like, drawing is one of the hardest things um, I can ever do in, in my life. Um, like, I, uh, I go to my work table with a lot of fear, and I have to, like, really comfort myself in those moments, or, um, like try to work with my my fear of drawing um and i'm very slow um in in productivity but sorry to go back to like the beginning of the question i was so scared of drawing um that i actually hung out in different mediums um Mm -hmm. because they were fun and they were easy to do i used to be like a light sculptor for a bit like i (laughs) like i would work with like um, LEDs and building these large ornate paper lanterns and, um, and other things that they all suffered from being like really pretty, you know, like yeah. you couldn't have much critical discourse around it. I mean, maybe I wasn't creative enough, but the, uh, I was making these like Fabergé eggs and <laughs> like, but I wasn't really saying the things that I wanted to, um, th- that I would have been able to say with storytelling. Um, And so, like, I've basically spent my 20s, like, eliminating all the other possibilities in my life, aside from drawing. So I've, like, backed (laughs) myself into drawing properly. Um, Because I've been too scared of it. Um, And so I, uh, so there's, um, so there's that. I I never, I never experienced any, any stress over storytelling. Um, in fact, I, um, if, uh, if you catch me kind of half out of the bag at a party somewhere, <laughs> if you give me like a plot device, a character in a setting, I will tell you a story on the spot. So um, it's kind of like this, you know, this bag of tricks I have. Um, and so I've always, like, that's always come naturally. Drawing has not. And um, if, uh, I guess everything um, you guys have seen have it, been the results of me, like a lot of anxiety hiding under blankets like teeth pulling you know all the rest uh to to try and get to a better stage and I'm also a freelance illustrator so um (laughs) there's like that layer on top of it as well um but I mean it feels it's important and it's what I feel like I need to do um but it's um yeah it's it's terrifying right
1: so So your goal is kind of just tell a story through your
2: Illustrations, yeah, through illustrations yeah. and you know speech bubbles as well. That yeah. they're involved, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, well, that's that's the comic medium. So yeah. I think one of the um, things that makes the comic medium really special is when um, you know words really work with the images to tell a story. I mean, um, one of the problems that I see in comics are like, um. and and you see this with a lot of mainstream comics, Uh, for the sake of efficiency, they've hired someone to write a script, and then Mm -hmm. someone else has been hired to do the drawings, and yet another person, the lettering. Um, And uh, there's a real, like, disjunction of voice, I Mm -hmm. think. So, like, um, you know, the writer might have done something really compelling, um, but the illustrator will make these images that are kind of redundant, that, like... um, you, what you see in the speech bubble is kind of described in images.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and instead, it, and what you could have done, is say, like, um, you had a speech bubble uh, that said, like, a certain amount of words, but then you could really move away from that and start to um, flesh out the story in the images. So, um, like, you could choose to exhibit, like, um, a certain tick that a character has or um, maybe really display a beautiful environment in the, in the comic, but it's just, um, the richness of storytelling is frequently lost in those, like, copy chain, um, version of comics, so, like, um, comics are, I, I maintain that they're kind of best when you've had, um, the same person basically do the whole thing, which is also kind of a thankless task, it's, like, so much work, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, But the um, the quality at the end is like you can't really move past that. It's like this piece of work that addresses the reader or touches the reader on multiple levels. Like you can see beautiful images, um, hear very power. You you hear the words rather than reading them. Um, Because like maybe there's some comics you've read where you just concentrate on what's going on in the speech bubble and you kind of like lose the action of the of the actual panels. Or sometimes it's the reverse. but, like, um, I, I always, I guess, knew from, like, a long time ago that um, the ideas I had were best expressed in the comic medium. And so um, moving towards that as slowly as I have, um, like, has, uh, has been, like, the course of um, definitely the past 12 years for me.
0: I mean,
2: the next question is sort of like, why comics? Um, I just think it's, yeah, well, they're, they're kind of, they're fun, and they haven't been, I mean, you can say that, like, one version of, like, corporatizing would be, like, the Marvel movies, for example, for comics, Mm -hmm. um, but that's not, those aren't really about comics, those are just superhero films, um, there are things you can do in comics that, um evade the film medium or the literary medium that they're like there are stories you can only tell in comics and those are are very special um it's too bad in in certain ways in north america um we kind of like when you say like comic books um to maybe like an older generation they'll automatically assume like uh, like superhero comic books or like archie or something but um in uh say like over in the uh like in Europe, um like comic books are like a really respected medium. They're um they're kind of it's called the ninth art in um, in I guess the Franco-Belgian comic book world. But it, it's really I'm it's gonna
0: refer to them. The ninth art.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to sound like yeah. like kind of Hoity-toity. Exactly. <laughs> um but well I, I do appreciate that they have, they've made room for it. Um, But because the medium kind of exists between, somewhere between art, or visual art, and literature in North America, um, it's a sign that there's not that much money in it. Um, In fact, like, um, one of the only ways that people, I guess main industry, like Marvel or DC comics have like talked about making money for comics is to actually sell the film rights. So that's why you have, um, all these superhero, um, films being released at uh, comic books just don't have the same, um, market value as these other works of, um, visual media are, such as like film or, um, or like visual art. So, um, so because there's not that money, that much money in it, um, you can, comic, the comic book world is really a meritocracy. So, like, um, what you do um, carries a lot of weight. So if you have, like, a good story to tell or if you, like, have these very beautiful images, then um, people in that world will pick it up. And it's not, um, and you can, uh, it's a very strange community. There's, like, I mean, in, if you thought that Dawson was kind of this, like, End of the Road or like Land of Misfit Toys, like you should see the comic book world. It's like there are some, uh, I mean, pretty incredible people in there. So, um, and like I'm not even, I'm still really at the fledgling stage. I, um, the, my first comic after 12 years of me wringing my hands over my drawings um, is actually coming out of my partner's anthology. So, um, yeah, debut, right? So, just
0: to plug it. Yeah. Um, I would question, that's not one of our questions with comics, but just, um, like did, like with storytelling and writing, did writing come before that or was it just like this nice mesh? When I'm
2: making a comic?
0: When you're making a comic book or just writing in general,
2: like did that practice? I'd say it's like, it kind of happens, um, at the same time. And like, I think if, if my writing, um, comes in the same way that I think a film is, is scripted. Like you maybe have compelling characters or like, um, just a really beautiful environment with like good composition. Um, and you start putting, adding more elements into this scene and gradually like, a like a script kind of evolves from that. Um, and so writing an image kind of go hand in hand in that case. Um, also writing for, comics is very different from writing, uh, actual novels. Like, yeah. um, you can unload a lot of the, um, I guess, would you call it exposition? Yeah. You can unload a lot of the exposition onto the images. Yeah. Um, and you can actually like certain nuances that, of, of images that, um, would take a long time to describe. You can pack <laughs> that into writing. Um, and so it's this very like, fluid process, and I find that really my writing centers around the dialogue of the of the characters first um, or the or maybe like a very powerful image, um, and And then uh, the scene is kind of built off of that. Yeah. Did that
1: answer your question?
0: It did. which led okay. me to another question? Yeah, I keep going. Um, uh, just like the process while creating
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, Sorry, I'm trying to formulate like do you find you're making a story? Like, writing a story and creating a story as you're making it, or are there, like, steps to get there? Um,
2: there, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you go out for a walk in the evening, Mm. and it's really foggy out, but you see a light, and off in the fog, you start to move towards it, um, and then you're getting closer to that light, and you see another one off in the distance, so you start to follow that. Mm -hmm. Um, if, uh... So there's, I'd say there's, there's like a core element that you would start with, um, even if it's not something as simple as like a joke, like, um, like someone slips on a banana peel, um, or um, you want to, you know, talk about the, the phases of this person's life in like a very condensed way. Um, things just kind of bloom out of other things that you spend a lot of time concentrating on so um if you really do a lot of critical uh, critical thinking about certain elements of a story that you want to put together and you ask yourself um all kinds of uh questions about this event you're kind of mentally circling then you can start to branch out um and then uh I guess, I mean, this is kind of like another diversion of mine. Sorry, I'm um, just going to tangent for a second. One of the things that um, really I really liked about storytelling, um, and when I studied in school, I, I studied English, but um, there's these patterns in storytelling that humans have actually passed down through mythology for years. Um, well, not for years, like for as long as we've ever existed. So... Um, really borrowing those um, those tropes and uh, like motifs from mythology are like um, are super helpful in like charting a course through a story you want to tell Um, and then you know there there's these small like islands of things that you're passionate about that you can include in the story itself but Um, you can kind of, um, like, the more you practice, like, telling stories or or reading, the more you come into contact with, um, with these tropes. Like, um, a very famous one is, like, um, someone moving, someone on a raft, um, going inland or upriver inland into, into a continent, um. You know, you see it, you saw it in something like Heart of Darkness, but it's repeated a whole bunch, like this sort of river journey where you're going upriver into a continent. And it's not necessarily about the river journey itself. It's about this like exploration going deeper into the human psyche. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's you've seen that in like not only in in the uh, Heart of Darkness and probably works before that. Um, but you see it in like film and television and, um, this, like this riverboat journey where things get more and more deranged as you've like, as you go further upriver. But, um, but yeah, that's like, that's like a trope and sort of using, um, how you could like pull that apart and use it in your own work is like, is important without having it like devolve into cliches or anything. Um, Yeah. Okay, I really lost the thread on that one. Oh, no, no, that was, good. that was good. I've got the thread right here. Okay. <laughs>
1: Are there any projects that you're working on right now? Well, yeah. I kind of mentioned the anthology thing. Oh yeah.
2: Well, um, that was a fun one. Mm-hmm. That was kind of um, it was to talk about like my my dating experience, <laughs> <laughs> or at least like long long distance queer relationships in <laughs> in the north. I mean how. Um, you know, you are this minority and there's some babe that lives two time zones over and what do you, like, how do you get there? Like, what do you do? Um, so like, that was like a fun topic to like explore for the anthology. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's...
0: Oh, I'm excited to get my hands on it. Me too. I'm a
2: little scared, actually. <laughs> because like, uh, like it's a, the anthology, I think it'll appeal to like a wide group of people my comics is really gay, like, you know, I'm just scared of what... No, but
0: that's great.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: oh, it's called The Northern Gaze.
2: The anthology's called The Northern Gays. Um, my comic within the anthology is called Date Night. Oh, yeah. And it's about a witch um, um, going on... Yeah. need to read it
1: this second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like... I think it's in the mail at this point, so yeah have. in our
1: mail sorry <laughs> <laughs> could
2: be um but in like I've had this like much bigger project that um I've actually been working on for years and it was the um the sort of the big um kind of carrot at the end of the stick that uh made me want to um work on comics and it, it's going to be this sort of ongoing series, but it's like, um, a magic realism, uh, piece. It's set in the future, um, a couple hundred years in the future off the coast of British Columbia. Um, and the, um, the setting is actually like, it's really complex. Um, the land is kind of recovering from, um, like an environmental degradation. Um, there's a lot of, um instability um politically speaking. Um and there's also um like well, hang on. Um yeah, it's the I guess you could say like the setting itself is like um very rich. This this area of the of the world's also um very much in poverty so you get the sense that like the um the global shift or the um, the center of the world um uh like in in terms of like human culture is like really shifted away from this area. It's like a backwater. Um, But uh, like the story that I'm actually telling is like, it's very simple. It's um, about this older um, woman who lives on a boat um, and she winds up returning to this small community on the coast of British Columbia. um, And her, like an old friend of hers has died and she's kind of forced to Reconcile a lot of these elements in her life. I mean, it sounds sounds depressing. It's not um, it's uh, actually like a like a charming story um, But uh, I have this um, This is kind of the precursor story that will eventually lead into um, this kind of longer piece about um, about Vancouver and as well as like um, Western uh, so-called Canada in general um, in fact the uh, what's made me really interested in working on comics is kind of trying to um, like really decolonize um, the the idea of the of the Canadian experience somewhat or um, at least see like we have all of these uh, very different, cultures um living in in Canada under like a very um like in a very colonial system and so really trying to break down that system and speculate on what a society would look like um if it's a little more um that it's definitely moved away and decentered whiteness from um from the way it works so it's like i guess the um, like, I say that my, like, work is very, is very interested in what the future is going to look like in the way that, um, humans, um, in, like, uh, bisect the land and also, um, a more sort of, um, non-secular aspect of, of human existence as well. It's also probably very confusing, but, um, it's, uh, no, it's like a fun book to work on. It's a lot of, uh, world building and like speculation on um, what uh, w- what sort of British Columbia or Yukon society would look like in um, in that amount of time from now. So yeah, that's that's my project. I'm hoping to actually have that finished by um, the end of 2021. So um, yeah, I'll be self-publishing it. But um, yeah,
0: looking forward to that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay, well, last but not least, why Dawson?
2: Okay, um, and I did some more thinking about this, is that I feel that, um, like sometimes I would get this dream that, um, other, that my friends living in Dawson and I were, it it would be, it's set in the gold rush, and I see all of of my friends and other members of the community uh, kind of existing in that circumstance. Um, and so I couldn't help but wonder if like being in Dawson is actually just kind of um, a return of some kind that I'm completely unaware of. So um, I think when I ask like why Dawson, I feel that like I'm here in a way because there was this huge cultural explosion over 120 years ago, uh, for good and for bad, that has kind of occurred and um, I'm still kind of living in the echo of it um, and playing out some of those like patterns that that were already in motion uh, long before I got here. So yeah, I think that's the best I can do, Um, but it's a very good question.
0: Oh yeah, that's it. Okay, well that brings us to the end. Is there a way you'd like to plug
2: yourself, like through Instagram? Or... Oh yeah, I mean on Instagram, I'm Princess J Junebug, um, and uh, you can see just um, my the illustrations or, or whatever that I post. Um, there's going to be a, um, I guess the book that I'm a part of that's coming out soon is called The Northern Gaze. Uh, it's a northern anthology that um, it's like pan territorial, so. It takes, uh, the majority of stories are from Yukoners, but we also have folks from NWT and uh, from Nunavut as well. Um, and I think it's a really good initiative on um, behalf of my partner, uh, really trying to um, step away from what the South um, thinks of the North and really, I think, start to uh, heal a lot of impressions that even Northerners have of themselves. So
0: and You can find that
2: through the Hectic Press. Um, press Hecate Press is yeah, that's my partner's sure. my partner's press, um, and that's just Hec- Hecate Press on Instagram.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry for mispronouncing that. Oh, don't worry. You know
2: what? I think I'm even mispronouncing it. I think because um, it's the uh, it's the Greek goddess of um, witchcraft and, uh-huh. and hecate, mischief. Yeah. So it's hecate, hecate or hecate, or. Um, Actually, I think the one colonial name that I really enjoy on the um, on BC's coast is um, the Strait between Haida Gwaii and uh, like the Nass River. Prince Rupert is called the Hecate Strait, and I, I feel it's like in reference to um, the weather that like moves through that region. So um, yeah. I, I, anyway, side note. Yeah, Hecate Press, <laughs> based in <laughs> Dawson City. Um, maybe it'll grow someday. So. Well,
0: you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at YDawson, W-H-Y-D-A-W-S-O-N. Uh, I'm Sabah. And I'm Paige. And that was Juno McPhee.